0: Hello, this is Nathan with uh, Canyon Entertainment podcast. Um, in this week's episode, uh, I'm putting up an interview I did with my mother a couple years back. Um, it's a, based around her her brief time uh, get, uh, trying to get into the music business and her songwriting uh, days early on. Um, as well as you know continuing to these days so i had uh previously put it on like soundcloud but i thought uh be a good opportunity to have it out there in the podcast realm so i hope everybody enjoys it i um i cut in uh some songs of hers here and there so you'll get a chance to hear what she was talking about or referencing so along with that being said um Her name's Monica Martoff, and her music is available on iTunes, Amazon, or wherever you like to purchase music. Um, There's also, uh, she's also on SoundCloud, um, and uh, one of her songs is up on YouTube with a lyric video. So if you do want to check any of those things out, uh, I will have the links provided on this, but... um, you could go to YouTube, look up Monica Martoff, uh, follow your heart. That's one of the songs. Her name is spelled M A R T O F F. The last name, uh, Monica, just as it sounds, or as you know, uh, so, and that goes the same with anywhere else. So you you should easily find it. And, uh, that's pretty much it. I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, again, thank you to anybody that has been listening to this podcast Um, I apologize if if there's been a slight break, Um, there will be consistent episodes, you know, as we go along, so please, uh, you know, just keep hanging tight, and uh, enjoy, you know, just enjoy each one that comes along, and share them, so that's all, so anyways, uh, have a good week, and I'll catch you guys soon, thanks.
1: Going to explore the world next door with a different point of view. I've gone and it feels so good, but still there's something missing. My future's bright, it feels so right,
0: but still. Hello, this is Nathan Martoff, and this is an interview with my mother, Monica Martoff, and we are going to be talking about. Um, Various songwriting and music and some uh, some of her work she did many, many years ago. And just want to give a biography kind of background on what got her started into doing this. And, uh, you know, what happened along the way with different things. So, I'm going to say hello to everybody that maybe be to this. Hi. Um. So, where do you want to start talking about?
2: Well, I, don't, I came from a musical background, grew up uh, with a musical family. My father played violin and piano, and he did some composing, and my mother was a um, piano teacher, uh, and she also sang. And I had an older sister who was a very accomplished singer, uh, and also a pianist and a cellist, and she had... At one time, uh, played cello in the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, so that's a background of music that I came from. So uh, I grew up, I, I, I learned the piano. My mother taught me for a while. And then at school, in uh, Catholic school, I happened to go to Catholic school. Um, I, was, um, I went on with my piano uh, being taught by uh, a couple of nuns, so... I managed to um, play fairly well. I got into the intermediate period of playing. I believe the books we used were called John Thompson. They were pretty standard in those days. So I think I was a fairly good piano player. I to give myself about a B. But I never thought of myself as uh, having any particular special talent. I sang uh, in school. I liked to join. I was in a chorus in high school, so I like music, and um, I had a piano for a while and liked to play it. Um, I read, you know, I I was pretty good at reading music, but uh, theory I wasn't very good at, and I didn't particularly like it. I just liked to be able to play, and um, sometimes I would try to play by ear, And I always liked to listen to music. Uh, I grew up with all types of music, uh, classical, rock and roll, easy listening, just just about anything. Because in those days, um, everything was out there. And they didn't have um, these music categories like they do today. And they didn't have it so narrowed down into one specific type of music. So anyway... In uh, 1982, I believe, I, I had a guitar, and uh, I, I taught myself a few chords. I, I'm certainly not a guitarist by any stretch of the imagination, but I enjoyed strumming just for my own pleasure. And, um,
0: where were excuse you? me, I'm drinking some coffee. Where was, and, to, you know, were we, we're tell them where you were living at the time, or...
2: Yeah, I was living out here in Los Angeles in the Valley, in someone I uh, had a home. Um, my husband had died uh, a couple of years ago, which was very difficult. And I had two young children in to raise. In the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, but I was able to work, um, and um, we did pretty well. I had a nice place, a nice home and a piece of property there. So I... Um, As I said, I started to, uh, one evening I started playing and and I started thinking of some words and um, wrote this little song, Isn't It Lovely? And um, I I couldn't believe that I wrote it. I actually thought I plagiarized it, that I had
0: somehow remembered. You didn't get to record that one, no?
2: No, I don't think Uh. so it It was a okay song, after all, it's the first song I ever did, so it's not really that memorable but mm-hmm. it um, it seems that I had it pretty much together as far as verse chorus and bridge but which I didn't even know what those terms meant. I knew what verse meant, but chorus they call a hook in popular music and bridge, so I didn't know what those were. So um I was probably amazed. I I kind of was taken aback that I could possibly write anything. So uh I, pe- I played it for friends and my next door neighbor everybody thought it was really nice and so that began um my going on with a few other songs. So um
0: Well, and the neighbor wasn't just any neighbor, you had a neighbor that was a
2: Mr Williamson, yeah, he worked uh, he was conductor. a yeah, he was an arranger, arranger. Tr- conductor. He worked with Frank Sinatra, but a lot of his time was at the Avalon Ballroom on Cadillac. So when you Cadillac. played
0: this for him, did that kind of his response give you some inspiration a bit?
2: Yeah, he thought it was nice. Yeah, it was. It was a pleasant song. And I think it was most. I, I believe most people who compose uh, for the first time don't don't have great uh, hits. You know, it's. It's something you have to practice. So I went on at the time, and I wrote <laughs> um, a cu- another song, and then um, I learned from somebody uh, that there was a place in Hollywood, on Hollywood Boulevard, and it, uh, it was called the Songwriters Showcase, and it was ran by a couple of songwriters. I think the last name of one of them was Chandler, and I just don't remember them their names anymore. i don't know when it started i don't know if it started around that time or if they had been there during the seventies and it was upstairs from a it was the upstairs room of some business on that boulevard. Mm-hmm. And they... if I remember they had coffee and some refreshments and folding chairs. It was just nice because it wasn't very intimidating because you have people coming in that don't know what they're doing. You know, they... they well, so they, it was like
0: a real organic kind of Yeah, place.
2: and they had a publisher and a producer from the music industry. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they met every week or every month. I kind of think it was every week. It must have been. Yeah. And they had a thing like a Wheel of Fortune type uh, div, uh, aperture. You, they would take your your tape. You didn't give your name or anything.
0: Well, at this time, what did you have anything with you? Any of those Well, I
2: had this song, uh, Kids of the Universe. So, this was the second song I wrote. It. Yeah, I think it was. I believe, yeah, I think it was. And, um, I believe we
1: live free and play free, to stay free and we're just kids of the universe, it's music, a cosmic burst, we're kids.
2: believe we, uh, no, we just put the tape, in, and they put it in a slot. And, and
0: wh- how, and where did you record it?
2: Um, Probably in my back bathroom, because the acoustics were good. Wow. I found out later that other songwriters have done that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I mean, I just did it because the acoustics were better back there. So... Um. They would they would uh, point up you know make a uh, arrow spin around like they do on the Wheel of Fortune you might say program and whichever place it stopped then they would play that that uh, tape for a few seconds then the producer um, I, I think I think they had both on at the same time and I think both of them critiqued the Item, um, so they were
0: they would basically yeah uh, they would they kind would kind of spin that and then whoever would come yeah up, they, they were usually
2: pretty nice about it They'd so not, your name was on
0: the wheel of no
2: no no names because oh. you know it's embarrassing so if, how was it you, how
0: was it determined to which tape well colors or something the, like that no
2: the where, wherever the arrow stopped in that and slot. there was a tape there
0: yeah oh okay I got you
2: so. They would give a few statements about it because uh, most of the material really wasn't very good. Some of it was, so if they liked it, then they would ask to see the person mm-hmm. who gave them that tape after the show. Well, fortunately, they didn't get mine <laughs> because I discovered that I didn't, that my, my song wasn't structured very well. I felt that, you know... I'm not doing something right, and uh, and when I left, they had a, a billboard, and I saw a uh, ad there that uh, s- uh, that said, "And you know, um, for people who needed help with songs, critiquing, and that type of thing, um, he uh, his name was Shelley Weiss, and I think it was twenty dollars." For the session, or an hour, but I believe it was for a session because I know I didn't pay him a lot of money, and I don't remember where he lived. But um, I went out there. I oh, it was "Believe and Follow Your Heart." It might have been that one because that's the one I went out and played for him. I was very, very, very scared and nervous. And, uh, I'm not a, really a performer. And his face just lit up when I played it. And he thought I was the best thing he had come across for a, the whole day or week or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he, he realized I needed help with um structure. So he began to tell me about it. And I went home. So I, I, I met with him for... A few times, I wrote another couple of songs, and um, they were better, and there was one called Summer in L.A., which was a cute little beach song, more or less, because it's hard to believe now, but back then it really was the way it was there. (laughs) Uh, Today it would be kind of ridiculous, but uh, it was a nice little timely song, and Shelley liked it He said his girlfriend liked it and he wanted to get some action on it, but nothing came through.
1: It's summer in LA. All the kids are out of school and laughter fills the air. Another summer's on the way. People on the beach and walking barefoot down the street. Come on and catch a sunny day. So I guess I had been to the uh,
2: showcase a few times and uh what happened the next time I went they had moved somebody must have told me but they had moved the showcase to um Sunset Boulevard and it had become very um classy everybody's dressed in suits and, and it was a whole different so a atmosphere years, a couple
0: years had passed now or
2: no not really I maybe one year one year yeah or months. Mm-hmm. I don't know but it was intimidating to a newcomer because you had a feeling that you were around a lot of professionals. And that's not comfortable when you're not known and, and you're insecure in your ability to write. So um, I went there and uh, I met a young man from Berkeley College of Music. His name was Randall Rummage, and later he got a job with a publishing company. I think he did quite well. Uh, but he was probably, he was a very nice person. And I actually sent one of my songs to that publishing company, and I'd, uh, they did reject it, but they were very nice about it. It wasn't what they were looking for, so it was okay. And also, uh, Michael Jackson came in one evening and. Um, surprised everybody I think he just wanted to uh shake things up but he knew the guys too and I you know it was just kind of a ploy or at any rate I didn't have any you know I I was just taken aback by it and uh, it was very exciting and uh, he wasn't there very long but he left because he you know he's very shy I think he may have wanted to know what this was and Perhaps he he might have been looking for something. I really don't know. But generally, he doesn't have to. He does his own music, as we well know. So... This would have been in
0: 84, perhaps? 83, I I
2: think. 83? Yeah. Wow. So... I... After hearing, you know, different songs uh, played, and uh, I left feeling... uh, down pretty much I was kind of depressed because I thought when I can't write commercial music I'm not really I can't compete in this particular field so I remembered where I had read about a couple of songwriters who had written a book talked about that it was important for you to believe in your own music and that if you like what you write probably others will but in other words, you can't try to copy someone else and try to be successful in those terms. It, it doesn't work. So, uh, being that I've been more piano-oriented, I went and got a keyboard, and uh, that's when my music really took off. Uh, I began to compose really pretty good stuff. So, when I took that to Shelley, he was extremely impressed with it and told me he could hear a whole album of this stuff and I was just really thrilled and in fact he wanted to take one of my one of the songs from there to Herb Alpert and uh, it's unfortunate that he was working with Eric Clapton at the time on an album with him so he's busy and I didn't have anybody else What song was it? Um, Catalina Oh okay person, um, I can't remember his name, but he lived in Encino, but uh, he wasn't really very helpful. Uh, he mostly talked about his own success in the business and all that, and it was interesting, you know, because this is new to me, so these people are fascinated to me how their mind works and all of that, but generally the only person I was hooked up to was him, and um, he, I think he, uh, he was going to take it to him, but it, he had other things that uh, prevented him from going through with it, and I'm so new uh, and assured myself that I wasn't pushing him because I didn't. I wasn't uh, <clears throat> at it that long, so I was insecure still as to my ability and all that. But I came up with what my music seemed to fit most was a theme-oriented genre. And he agreed with me, basically, that that didn't seem to be the case. So I continued to uh, do more compositions. And um, unfortunately, he he had to move. He broke up with a girlfriend, and we just lost touch. And then I had to move away for financial reasons back east to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that was away from the music scene. Uh, you know, to make it really a music, you have to be in a music town like Los Angeles or
0: Georgia. Well, especially in those days.
2: Yeah, in those days. But I didn't give up composing. I bought a uh, synthesizer and a, with a speaker and a drum machine, and I began to... Get better and better at what I did, and then um, my son, who, who was interested in music, he he and I bought a four-track recorder, and he showed me how to use it, and I made a uh, tape of some. Made a
0: couple different ones, the Fostex and the Vestex, I think. Yeah. At one point.
2: Well, it was really great to do it. Uh, it, was a, it was just thrilling. It, to, to be able to uh, fill in to the two parts that I had, and uh, I did pretty well for some, for an amateur that really doesn't know what they're doing. Um, came out quite well, so and I was able to record it. I had recorded stuff earlier in L.A. through two boom boxes with a microphone, which worked. Uh, but with a recorder, you get the real professional sound that you would in any kind of studio so um, but I was not uh, I was unable to uh, connect I didn't in Pittsburgh and it's very difficult to know how to to connect musically there Um, they have their own uh, I don't know it seems like the blue collar people sort of our country western bands and I guess it, bands and
0: blues. You know, and back then there, and wasn't, then, then there wasn't the internet. And the only
2: other thing really is the classical, and they're very snobbish and clickish music thing. You know, especially in the upper class people, of Pittsburgh is very uh, clickish. I, I know that from other people. So I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't know how, except that I did go to the pit. University of Pittsburgh Music Department, and I played the tape for a man there, and he seemed to like it. He wondered how I got the sound I got, and this was on my two boomboxes and my microphone, and I wondered what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I must, have, I must have done something different yeah. and didn't know. And he, he said I should take courses at Pitt and uh, told me they, they were having them, like electronic music and stuff uh-huh. like that. But I had to work, and I had to raise my kids. So it's pretty hard to to think about doing all that. You have to have the freedom and time to pursue that, which I didn't. Um, but over the years, I uh, off and on, I would uh, still compose music. And the last time I, I did was in uh, 2005. So... Yeah. I, uh, I I'm I've gotten to where I think I have very good music, uh, and I'm talented. Uh, it would be ridiculous for me to say that uh, I made this music and I don't know if it's very good or not. <laughs> so, so I'm not saying it to brag. i I've taken my time and really looked at my what I've done. And I, <clears throat> another thing I would do is I always listen back. I might wait a week and then listen to what i had done. If it was good, you would know by then. <clears throat> and if it holds up year after year, uh, you know you've, you, you've accomplished something. So, yes, I'm proud of what I've done. And I, I hope that I can uh, find a way to where this, some of this music could be used today.
0: Well, we have uh, transferred as much stuff as we were able to keep and recover, and uh, got a large amount of it written, and soon I'm um, going to release uh, some of the songs online, and uh, I will uh, then at that point uh, add where to go to to purchase and buy if you're interested, or just to listen and, and see what you think before you buy, which obviously these days you can do. It's much easier, faster, I can only imagine what it must have been like to have to drive around. <laughs> Shoot, uh, well, uh, don't, I have, you don't know who yeah. you know who's gonna I say what. To,
2: I have to admit, I'm not a I'm an old school person from the 20th century, <laughs> and I don't have a computer. But I um, I'm really amazed at what uh, you can accomplish on one. And the um, the idea that you can actually send your music over the internet and reach the world is just amazing to me. So I'd have to say it has some benefits uh, in that regard.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No. As far as your songs? I
2: think that wraps... Actually, I'm better at music than songs. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Lyrics, my lyrics are um, pretty good. There's one that I think the lyrics are really good. But um, I believe lyrically I'm weak. Uh, if you compare to people that are really, to really write great
0: lyrics, I'm not on that level. Well, I think you underrate some of those songs that were <laughs> written, maybe in comparison to what you're thinking. Well, of, because, I don't know. Uh, I mean,
2: there's an awful lot of, uh, over the years, these little pop songs that you tell a story in three little. minutes. It's pretty hard to do. I mean, you think you would think it's easy, but it's not. It's not. <clears throat> and they make these they have these great little hooks and stuff. Like the Beatles, who could their first stuff, you know, were just three-minute songs that were just great. They had the great little tunes, the great little lyrics, that type of thing. And uh, we were all nuts about the Beatles, and still am today. And look how great they became. It, they were really good back then, but then again, you have to realize that they too progressed as they got yeah. better at what they did, well, got, they got into to, deeper material, came out with Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Band, yeah. you know. Uh, well, it was an
0: interesting period because you got to have a time where not only the music changed, because, you know, before that, was like the, a lot of people would say, you know, it was country and western. I mean, you did have some rock and roll that started, but... By the time they got to really full force, you know, that was kind of new. And then they were the first to really get to be a part of that multi-track recording. Yeah, well, when the
2: Beatles came on the scene in 1964, they changed the whole music business. Yeah. It it put everybody else out. It just completely, it was just a, it took us by surprise, you know. I mean, Mm -hmm. after that, you had all these Brits. You had the Rolling Stones and Donovan and then the whole... And you got into The Rock with, like, uh, well, the early one was Strawberry Alarm Clock and Iron Butterfly. And then you got um, The Who and, and Led Zeppelin. They came in kind of late. I think they started in 69. Mm-hmm. But um, that's how it, how it went. And then the 80s, you had all this wonderful new music called New Wave which was something new also, which was was good stuff. Mm-hmm. Very good.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's where we'll finish for now. And uh, I think that uh, gives a good idea of your background. And um, like I said, I, w- I will be, this is uh, going to be edited a bit, of course, but uh, once everything's up and going, I'll point everybody to where to go. Um, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Thanks, Ma.
2: Thank you.